Right now we are going to start in Hebrews, so I invite you to stand with me as we begin chapter 1, to read chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. My old church, we used to say, if you have it, say amen. Amen, all right, all right. I heard a few amens. Some people are still loading it from their Bible app on their cell phone. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you so much for your word, your rich word. Pray, God, that you would be with us this morning as we look at a passage, a text today that should stir our hearts once again to the revelation of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that we treat these words as holy words, that we Consider them in light of your holiness, your perfection. Pray, God, that the Spirit would awaken us to that which which we, we should know, that which we cannot know without the Spirit's help. Pray, God, that we will be brought to bear before the Son of God and that we would worship that much more intentionally, that much more faithfully. We would be informed in our prayers, in our devotion to Jesus. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross, that you'd humble me at the preaching of this text, that you'd allow me to see more and more of your glory revealed, that I'd be instructed personally that my life would reflect all these things that you teach us. I pray these things and I trust you in Christ's name. Amen. may be seated. There are fewer topics of discussion that may captivate a religious audience or a church in this context than this discussion about what it means for God to speak to us or the concept of God speaking to us, speaking with humanity. Many people are fascinated by this, just this notion that God, all that we know or may have come to a conclusion about God would actually interact with humanity, would actually speak words to human beings. And this notion carries a, a lot of theory, a lot of controversy. But the reality is, is we're, we're dealing with a topic that has very, very important bearing in the lifestyles that we live. It's something that we should consider heavily. It's something that we should come to a resolution on. In our fascination, should carry us to the truth. In the Christian church, there are debates all across the board as to how 
God speaks. There are people who may see this kind of expression in symbolism or in life circumstances, in nature, or dreams and or audible voices. If you hold to the the symbolism application, could mean that for you, a certain type of daytime bird or a bird that you see in the daytime flies through the night to the ledge of your front porch to remind you that you can be a light in the darkness. Or you have another type of scenario where maybe you're driving in your car and you're listening to a song that's one of your favorites. It's a CD. And it starts skipping at a certain part. The lyrics of the song being, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that means you need to go and apologize to your friend who kept the lights on all night as a roommate and ran up your electric bill. So there's a sign, it's a symbol of God telling you something. Now, Scripture doesn't give us something too, too far from that. There are instances in Scripture where we, we see signs communicating to us what God would have us know. Ultimately, an advent of God interacting with people and giving him a glimpse of what his will is. We know and we're familiar with the rainbow reminding us of God's promise to never flood the earth again. And maybe some of us are familiar with the dry fleece scenario, which spoke to Gideon to confirm that God would be with him. And we, were, we probably remember the admonition from Jesus to, that says that there's a, a wicked and sinful generation that seeks after a sign or some sort of symbol that God is speaking. So Scripture gives us a notion of God using these external means to communicate with people on earth. So that's symbolism. Maybe you're more of the type of person who looks for God to speak through life circumstances. You may experience blessings or hardships that come as a result of everyday decisions that you make in life. You may take them as God speaking to affirm or to deny or redirect the plans that you have for your own life. And biblically, there's some precedent for that. There are people in Scripture who entered into battle, some sort of war for themselves or out of their own selfish ambition. There are those who refrained from battle when they should have entered into battle. There's also circumstances where individuals would take wives or come into a relationship, a marriage relationship with someone on the basis of what they wanted versus what God's will was, or sought after riches because they feel like they deserve them, that they should have them, rather than God acknowledging to them that this is a blessing from him. And as a result of those individual decisions, they experienced either God's affirmation, his correction, or redirection to the right path. So for some people, life circumstances are a determining factor of how God speaks and interacts with humanity. 
Or you may be a person who looks to nature and you may have this growing sense of awe and wonder as you vacation and you, you view a landscape of beauty and tranquility. And something about that landscape as you look into the expanse, you see something greater than yourself. Maybe you're driving to work, looking at the sunrise, or driving home from work, and you see the sunset. And something is speaking to you in light of what your senses are captivated by. Psalm 19 gives us some sense of that, where it says, The heavens declare something to us about God. So in, in, in a sense, there's an indirect speaking to you from God that the heavens and the world around us are communicating to us about who God is, reveals to us who God is. Or Romans 1, where it specifically says that his invisible attributes of eternal power and divine nature are made known to us by the things that we see around us. So nature may speak to you as if God is speaking to you. And finally, in the most controversial, the audible voice or dreams. The many claim to hear from God audibly, to actually hear a voice that your ears can pick up on. And God is saying something to you because of that. Or you're having a dream, a dream in the dream. God is speaking to you or communicating to you something he wants you to know about some decision that you should make or ultimately revealing his will for your life. And there's much speculation as it relates to this kind of interpretation of God speaking. Biblically, there's examples of both. There's examples of where there's, there's this sense of maybe the, the prophet Elijah looking and seeing a whirlwind or some other huge force of nature, but God's voice being found as a still, small voice. Or the, the dreams that God, we just got out of a series earlier last year talking through the Joseph story where Ultimately, God is giving some sense of what should be proclaimed by way of Joseph's dreams. So Scripture gives us examples of both. And I'm not going to satisfy a lot of people today because I take the approach of of saying, who am I to declare in a blanket statement that that's not happening for you anymore? Who am I to declare that to you and say, there's no way you're going to ever experience that? The church in America is is a very interesting context in that we have a flood of information and biblical resources and things that we can look into to convince us of one way versus another. But the church on the other side of the planet doesn't have all of these resources, doesn't have all of these ways to parse through this information and make all of these debates openly and privately between one another. They're just trying to survive. And you hear accounts of things that don't make sense to us. And yet the church is established. The gospel is preached. And the fruit of the gospel 
is something very visible and known to everyone around. So what is settled amidst all of this controversy? Because if we look symbolism, life circumstances, nature, audible voices and dreams, what's the, the limiting factor of all of those categories is that it, a lot of times it comes down to a personal experience someone has. Someone is articulating something to you that they've experienced personally, but it may not be shared across the board. One thing we can say is settled amidst all of this controversy is that God has spoken to us by his word. He has spoken to us by his word. No matter your personal experience, no matter what you're trying to articulate to give confidence that God is speaking in a way that's not necessarily normative for everyone, we can always look to the Word of God and be confident that God has spoken. If anything you've experienced, if you're one of these people who fit in the previous categories Anything that you've experienced that is not consistent with the God of Scripture, let me assure you that God is not speaking through that means. That means is not something that you should have confidence in above and beyond what God has communicated about himself in the Scriptures. So the question becomes, Where are you most seeking his voice? Where do you look to first to hear from God? The final and full authority of Scripture is the crystallization of all that we need to know about God. It is not all that can be known about God, but it is sufficient for us. If we truly believe God to be God, then we can acknowledge that he is greater than us and that our minds don't have the capacity to consider all that he is, but what we do know is what he intends for us to know. It's what we need to know. It is sufficient for us. In the same way that Paul wrestled with the Lord as it relates to the thorn in his flesh. And God responds to him and says that his grace is sufficient. Paul doesn't need to know everything about why the thorn exists and what purpose it's fulfilling. All he needs to do is rest in the reality of the Lord's grace because it is sufficient for everything that he needs to endure. Wayne Grudem says this, The sufficiency of Scripture means that Scripture contained all the words of God he intended his people to have at each stage of redemptive history, and that it now contains all the words of God we need for salvation, for trusting him perfectly, and for obeying him perfectly. Now, if we look at this text here in Hebrews chapter 1, we see that the writer is attempting to bridge what has been prophesied 
with what has become fully known. And the writer here is appealing to these Jewish Christians as one who is of Jewish descent. He says, our fathers, our fathers heard from God in this way. So he's trying to bridge what, we, what was known commonly amongst the Jewish community with what has now become fully known, fully experienced, and they are the fruit of this. You see in these verses, these first two verses, the writer is establishing four points of contrast. The first one is the time of revelation. The time of revelation long ago versus these last days. Long ago starts us off in verse 1. Verse 2 says, but in these last days. The time of revelation is the first contrast. Second contrast is the agent of revelation. The agent of revelation First is the prophets. The prophets were the primary agent of revelation at the long ago portion. But now we see that in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Time of revelation, agent of revelation. Third is recipients of revelation. Long ago, long ago, in many ways, God spoke by the prophets to whom? Our fathers. The recipients of the revelation were the Jewish fathers. And now, us. He's speaking to us now. Time of revelation, agent of revelation recipients of revelation. Finally, the unity of the final revelation in the Son. Gives this phrase in verse 1, this phrase, at many times and in many ways. The contrast there is one time in one way through God's Son, culminating all of time placing it in the hands of one agent for one purpose, to reveal all truth. Again, we're seeing Jesus as the fulfillment of all things. He is is the final, lasting prophet who brings all things that were ever spoken by God into fulfillment in the Son. The truth of these words belong to him and him alone. He's the heir of all things. The son has been appointed the heir of all things. He creates the entire world. The revelation of these words are through him and for him. The supremacy of the son is established here in that everything that could be known, all the things that were spoken from before and all the things that we know now are fully realized and fully enveloped in the son of God who is the heir of all things and the creator of all things. 
God speaks these words to reveal the Son of God. We see similar articulation of these things during Jesus' ministry on earth. In John chapter 6, there's this occasion where it's, it's the very ideal setting of church for a lot of people where Jesus is doing things. He's doing miraculous things for the people. And the crowds are growing and his fame is spreading and people are just captivated by this Jesus who can do amazing things. Continue down that chapter, you find Jesus start to articulate some very hard things about the gospel. I am the bread of life. You must eat and drink of me. As he articulates these things, the people, this large crowd that gathered around him begins to wonder, like, who? Who's this guy and who's going to want to listen to that? The crowd begins to dissipate. Scripture says hundreds of people left him at that moment. The 12 remained and Peter was famously acknowledged in this moment. And and he says, Jesus said, are you also going to go? And Peter says, where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Now, Jesus is also acknowledged in this chapter that you must search the scriptures because they testify of me. The scriptures testify of Jesus. The reason that Peter is able to remain and understand that is because he is a disciple of Christ, a true disciple of Christ, and he understands that in Christ All of the words that contain eternal life have been encapsulated by this Messiah, this Son of God, who he will later confess. And Jesus is saying that all Scripture reveals me, testifies of me. The Apostle John doesn't mince words. Very familiar with his words at the beginning of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. That was made. Continues in verses 16 through 18. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Continues in 1 John verses 1 through 3. 1 John 1 verses 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. 
that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These verses are all consistent with the first two verses in Hebrews chapter 1. Very similar language. Revealing Christ as the Word, as the sufficient holder of the Word, the communication of all, from, all things from heaven that would reveal anything about God is wrapped up in Christ so that when Christ speaks, he speaks as God, for God, through God. He is the person that we look to to find out what God is saying. All content that would have ever been ascribed toward God speaking to us is rightly directed back towards the revelation of Jesus Christ. He not only speaks the words, he is the word. So the point here, I think what we can take from this is, I think that this needs to be heard is that in Jesus, God is speaking In Jesus, God has spoken. There's comfort in that. Again, we we realize the audience that this writer is writing to, and that these Jewish Christians may have been of the belief that the word of God had departed from the people who were set apart for his name. If you're used to hearing from the prophets or if the prophets hold the authoritative word for you, then these Jewish Christians would be very, very much disconnected from the reality that God is still speaking. The absence of the prophetic word for centuries for these Jewish Christians may have been a source of discouragement. What is God saying to us? We haven't heard from a prophet in hundreds of years. Here we are experiencing this persecution. Here we are experiencing these hardships. What is God saying? They needed a word from the Lord. So what comfort it is to know that not only what the prophets declared is true, but everything about what they had spoken is found in Jesus. There was no more looking forward to something or uh, pointing forward and waiting in anticipation. What's being communicated here is that Jesus is here and Jesus is sufficient. He is enough. He puts everything together and owns the revelation of all things that should and could be known. And there's an interesting component to this that's maybe a subtle application or, or reflection in reading these verses is that Christ has always been speaking to us. Sometimes there's a segmentation of the Old Testament God and the New Testament God and The reality here is that Christ has always been speaking. 
Christ has always been reaching and engaging with humanity. And now it has been revealed. In our darkest hour, we can always hope in his word. For meditating on his word, then we may see a decrease in the desperation to hear from him in other means. We're spending that time in Scripture. If we are literally meditating on the Word of God, that decrease starts to happen where you need something outside of Scripture to tell you what God is saying. You don't have to chase after prophets or people who have popularized their version of what God has said in order to feel like you're connecting with the Lord. As we'll see covered in The book of Hebrews, the word of God is alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Engaging with the word of God is not just engaging with words on a page. It is the living revelation of Christ. And as Christ begins to make himself known to you, you understand he's speaking to you. Now, what I like An audible word from God? Sure. I'd love that. I'd love for light to fill the sky or maybe the sky to darken and the clouds part just a little bit and this small spotlight comes down to me as I look up to heaven and I hear directly this booming voice tell me who I am and what I should do with the rest of my life. I'd love that. I think all of us would like that. I'm not alone up here. But the reality is that while that is the way that I conceive the most ideal circumstance for God engaging with me, I I conceive that that's the best scenario. The best scenario, in fact, is looking to his word, and the result is the same. It's not as if I'm getting a lesser solution because my ideal scenario is not coming to pass, but I see my purpose, I see everything about life and its reasoning and the ways that I should engage with truth and error and the decisions I should make in my life as it relates to how God is pleased. I see all of that in the Word of God. And I have to admit to myself, am I satisfied in that? I I have to ask myself, am I satisfied? Is that sufficient for me? If I don't experience the clouds parting and the light coming down and hearing this booming voice, I don't have to be dismayed because I know that Jesus is always speaking. He always has been speaking. It's an amazing consideration to know that the Christ who creates everything and owns everything that we can ever know is also seeking to communicate with us. He's not so other that we can't draw near. The fact that he uses human language to communicate with us. This is God we're talking about. God who creates language, who creates cognitive ability to interpret language. He seeks to know us and to speak with us in ways that we can understand him. 
He uses human beings to talk to us. The prophets that were mentioned, these are human beings who actually spoke words that could be understood. He uses those people to hear from heaven. If that's not enough, he became a human being. He dwelled amongst other people to make himself known. So maybe you're discouraged and feel like you haven't heard from God in a long time. There's a few things I can guarantee in this world, but one thing I can guarantee is that you will hear from God when you open the Word. And just as a, an aside, you're not hearing from Him more loudly if you read red letters. Sorry to disappoint some of you, but the Bible in its entirety should be written in red letters. All of it reveals that Jesus is enough. And hear the prophet Isaiah say that no weapon formed, fashioned against you will prosper. You can hear Solomon say that the name of of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run in it, are saved. You hear David say, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You hear Jeremiah say, is not my word like fire? And like a hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces. Jesus speaking through those words. You're gaining confidence in this Christ that you trust. As you read these words. No life circumstance steps outside of these words. There's no reason ever to close your Bible when you know that the words of life stare you in the face, and God is talking to you. There are full churches in other parts of the world who are established and sustained by fragments of Scripture. No commentaries. Just a portion of a book from the prophets. Just a pocket Bible. And they are confident and resolute in this Jesus who died for them, and they're also willing to die for this Jesus. God is speaking, brothers and sisters. He is engaging us. He's closer than ever before. Jesus revealed in his word is him telling us that he is with us. His words last forever. So I ask again, where are you most seeking his voice? Where are you most seeking to hear from him? Knowing that you have in front of you the word of God. 
And if you want to hear from me, from him, all you have to do is visit with his words. Meditate on his words. God is with us. Let's continue to seek him with our whole hearts. We're going to enter into a time of communion, taking the bread and the cup. In the spirit of this, there won't be any singing. There'll just be a light playing of instrumentation. And what you'll see displayed are just his words. And as you look at the words, realize that this is God speaking. This is God engaging with humankind. As the elements are passed out, consider those things and meditate, and then I'll come up and we'll take this all together. But let's just remember that God is speaking. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you are enough. The times that we become distant, it's us walking away and never you walking away. That you pursue us. That you've given us avenues to hear from you by your grace, Lord, by your mercy. We can hear from you. I pray that you teach us more and more about who you are. What your plans and purposes are for us. That we would rest in your peace, not as the world gives, but peace that comes from you. That we would be informed by your wisdom. That we'd be broken by your mercy and your love. We thank you that you've gone to such great lengths to make yourself known to us creating us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth. We dedicate our lives to you, Lord. We thank you, we love you, we trust you. In Christ's name, amen.